I want to do a little pastoral work this morning. Uh, <clears throat> the last couple of Sundays, two Sundays ago, I preached through the Gospel of Mark, and I talked about the, the woman, Mary, who uh, anointed Jesus with this very, very expensive ointment, this extravagant expression of love. And we said, well, that's the kind of heart we want to have. And then in contrast to that, this past Sunday, we looked at the next few verses. It talked about just the opposite. We talked about Judas. Talked about a, a man who spent three years with Jesus, ate with him, no doubt prayed with him, was even anointed by him and appointed by him to go out and minister to others. And he was an active disciple of Jesus, so trusted among the disciples that he actually was chosen to be the treasurer of the disciples. And he was a thief. He was stealing money out of the treasury all the time, the Bible says. But nobody knew it except Jesus. And, uh, and then for 30 pieces of silver, he betrayed Jesus, turned him over to the enemies to be crucified. So we saw quite a contrast there. Here's this uh, extravagant love and this deceptive betrayal. What a, what a contrast. And we said that we want our heart always to be in this direction of the extravagant love. But when I preached about Judas last week, as I happens every time I preach about Judas, and I talk about how that a person can be an active church member and not be saved, I always have some people who begin to have some questions. Well, am I? What about, is, it, is it I? You know, am I the one? Am I really saved? So, uh, in contrast to that message last week, I want to just do a little bit of assurance work today. Now, it's very important for us to examine ourselves. The Bible actually tells us to examine ourselves to see if we really are in the faith. It would be a tragedy, wouldn't it, for a person to be an active Baptist all of his life and die and go to hell. Wouldn't that be awful? And uh, it'd be awful to go to hell whether you're a Baptist or not. But, uh, <laughs> but I'd just be... Extra awful, I think, for somebody to, uh, to go to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, live their whole life just kind of in, in church activities, and somehow or another never, ever really connect and be known by Jesus and know him and be born again. That'd be a terrible, terrible thing. And that's what, kind of what we talked about last week. And so when I, when I talk about things like that, and I told you, you know, I always hated for an evangelist to come into my church and try to get everybody to doubt their salvation. And that was not my intent last week. My intent was to get you to have confidence and a certainty in your salvation. And so that's what I want to kind of focus on this morning. It's not really much as a, a, a sermon. It's just kind of some, some pastoral counsel, Okay. And I want you to look at a verse in 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13, uh, three verses here, 1 John chapter 5. The Apostle John is writing this letter. It's a great letter. He writes for the purpose of helping people know whether they're Christian or not. He said, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Do you believe in the name of the Son of God? All right. 
You say, well, I, I do. I believe. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I really do believe that. So I write these things to you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know. That's an important word. Not hope or think or maybe, but that you may know that you have, not will have, but that you have eternal life. And this life is in his Son. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. All right, so that's one passage. Maybe the chief passage I use when I'm talking to people about assurance of salvation. I take them to 1 John, and I say, listen, this whole letter of 1 John was written, John says, so that you can know that you have eternal life. God does not want us to live our Christian life in constant questioning about his uh, uh, faithfulness and about whether our faith was perfect or not. And see, a lot of times I talk to people who say, well, I, I just I don't remember whether I prayed the prayer the right way or not. Well, the Bible doesn't say that we're saved by prayer. Saying a prayer doesn't make you a Christian. The Bible says it is by grace that we're saved through faith. And faith is believing, absolutely, certainly believing that what God has said is true. And so that's what we're saved by faith. And so I, I know people who probably didn't pray the prayer the right way. I know some people who just said, God, help me, help me. They didn't even say, save me. They, but in their heart, they believed that Jesus died for them and was their Savior. So then listen to this verse in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. It's going to always be associated with faith here. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. All sin. We lived next door to a man back in Tennessee years ago when I pastored a little church called Latham's Chapel Baptist Church, and this man said he could never have assurance of his salvation. And he said, I, I just, he said, some of the sins that I committed I think are just too great. To be forgiven. How ridiculous. Listen, if God can forgive us of the sin of crucifying his own son, there is no sin too great for him to forgive. So, uh, and then other people say, well, you know, I just don't think I've been that bad. So they, they lean in the other direction. Well, the fact is, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and it is on him, on Christ that God laid all of our iniquities. All right, and then listen to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. I love this verse. It's one that <clears throat> many of us memorized, even when we were children. Uh, it's verse 12. I'm sorry, verse 12. Uh, that's the howdy. And he, Paul says, For this reason I also suffer as I do, but I'm not ashamed, for I... Don't you love this word? No, I know whom I have believed, 
And I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. And listen, what you have entrusted to him by faith and what he's entrusted to you by grace, he himself is the one who guards it. He's the one who protects us. You know, people say, well, I've just got to, I've got to hold on. I've got to hold on. Now, look, I believe in the perseverance of the saints, but I believe in the preservation of the Savior, and that's how we persevere, by his preservation. So then I love this verse in Jude, Jude verse 24. There's just one chapter in Jude, so uh, Jude verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless with great joy. Well, what a, what a, a, a benediction there. He said, I'm just giving praise to the one who is able to keep you from, from falling, from stumbling, and to someday he's going to present you blameless. And you say, well, but, but I'm not blameless. In his eyes, you are blameless. He sees you in Christ. Listen, he does not see you in your weakness and in your sinfulness. He sees you in his son, and you have been accepted in the beloved. And so he can present you blameless in his presence with great joy, he says. He, and then Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Spirit. The Holy Spirit, it's capital S here, should be, I hope. Yeah, and the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Uh, I will tell you, I've doubted my salvation a few times. And there were early on, especially after I became a Christian, I would doubt my salvation. Why, why do we ever doubt? What causes anybody to doubt their salvation? It's usually not because they're looking at God too hard. It's that they're looking at themselves too closely. They are saying, well, how could I be saved and think a thought like that? How could I be saved and do something like that? How could I truly be saved and have that kind of an attitude towards somebody? Well, the fact is, God is working on all of us to sanctify us and to bring us to a place where we are victorious in all of those areas. But it hadn't happened completely yet. And I remember one time I was driving. This is the last time I had a big major battle on this thing of assurance. I was driving to visit with a missionary in Memphis, Tennessee. I was going over to his house. And I was singing and just having a wonderful time. And just all of a sudden, I just had an, a major spiritual attack. And it was just like I could almost hear a voice saying, You're not really saved. You're just a phony. You're just pretending. You're just, you, you think being a preacher and all that kind of stuff, you're not really saved. Well, I just shook me up. I, so I started quoting my assurance verses. And I quoted about three of those verses, some of these that I put up here. And it was like I heard that voice again, not out loud, but in my heart saying, it's not going to work this time. Oh, you think just saying those little Bible verses is going to make everything okay. You're just a big phony. You're a hypocrite. I pulled off the side of the road. I thought, i got to do some serious business here. 
And I prayed and wept for about 30 minutes before the peace finally came back to my heart. And I don't know, uh, that was the last time that I've had that serious an attack. That was about 35 years ago, 37 years ago, I guess. But it was an amazing thing, and it helped me understand that there are a lot of Christian people who, who have those kind of attacks pretty regularly. And they, they wonder, am, am I really saved? I don't want to be like Judas. I don't want to live my whole life going to church and not really know Jesus. Well, this verse says, the Spirit... The Holy Spirit himself bears witness with our human spirit that we're God's child. And that's what finally brought me peace that particular day is I was crying out, literally crying out. God, help me, help me. It was as if I heard another voice. And this time it wasn't the voice of the accuser. Oh, the devil loves to accuse us, doesn't he? He loves to accuse us. He is the, the deceiver and the accuser of the brethren. But it was I heard another voice, quiet at first, but it got louder and louder. And it was the voice, really, of God's Spirit in me. Bearing witness with my spirit, you are God's child. You are God's child. And I, the peace came back. And I just want you to know, God's Holy Spirit... If you cry out and say, Jesus, show me, show me, am I yours? The Spirit himself will bear witness in your spirit that you are his. Listen to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Therefore, he is able also to save to the uttermost, that is forever, to the very end of everything, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Sometimes people will call me and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? And I'll say, yes, I will. And then sadly, there have been a few times, I try to do it right then, but sadly there have been a few times that I would actually forget to pray for that person. And then when I'd see them the next time, I'd think, oh, man. I said I was going to pray for them. I never did really pray for them. Well, I, I, if I've ever done that for you, I'm sorry, but you would never know probably. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but I want to tell you something. There is somebody who never, never, ever, ever fails to pray for you in your need. And it's not your pastor. It's your Savior. Jesus ever lives Make intercession for you. And uh, it's wonderful. I appreciate when somebody says to me, hey, Pastor, I'm praying for you. I think that's wonderful. Please do. But, uh, But if nobody else ever prayed for me, I know I have one who ever lives to intercede on my behalf. And, uh, Listen to this verse in John chapter 10, verses 27 through 29. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. 
My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Now, I want to tell you something. If you've trusted Jesus, you're in the hand of Jesus and the Father's hand. And I tell you, somebody said, yeah, but what if the devil tried to give him? Somebody said, if, if the devil could get through both hands, he'd be saved. <clears throat> I tell you what, you're, you are safe in that double protection of the hand of Jesus and the Father's hand. He says no one, no one is able to snatch them out of my hand and the Father's hand. Ephesians 4.30 tells us that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God for the day of redemption. We have been sealed, that is, secured by him. And then, of course, Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. Everybody knew I'd get to this one. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither life nor death nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth. He said, see, have I forgot anything? Nor anything else. He just said, I've listed a bunch of stuff, but anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this is the, this is the confidence that we have. And there's so many other verses. I, my goodness, I have uh, 20 more here that I could read, but I'm not going to read all of them. But, uh, but this, is a, this is the way we have confidence that we're really saved. In, when I was uh, taking some EMT training, they told us that when you come upon a person that's been in an accident, you want to check and see if they're dead or alive. Because if they're dead, obviously, uh, that's different than if they're alive, right? And uh, so he said, uh, you want to check for three things. You want to check, make sure they've got a pulse, that there's a heartbeat. You want to make sure that they are warm, that they have some warmth, and you want to make sure there's some breath. So they showed us how to check all those things. And I, while they're talking about that, I'm thinking, wow, that's the way you know if a person is really born again too. The only way you know that a person has been transferred from death to life is if they have a heart that is beating for the Lord Jesus. To know if they have warmth toward other people, if they are are warm, if they're loving, and if they have breath, the breath of the Holy Spirit of God in their life. And the Bible tells us, in fact, I just encourage you, if you ever have questions, doubts, or concerns about your salvation, read the book of 1 John. That is the book in the Bible that's written for our assurance. He tells us that, One way we know that we know him is that we keep his commandments. We love his truth. We love his word. And uh, I would ask you, do you love the word of God? I'm not asking you, do you understand all of it? But do you love it? Do you you treasure the word of God? Uh, do, Do you love? Do you love people? Do you love God? You say, well, not like I ought to. Well, none of us do like we ought to, maybe. I don't think the Apostle Paul felt like he loved the Lord the way he ought to. But I do love him. I do love him. 
Do you love Jesus? Do you have a heart for him? Do you love other people? Do you love the family of God? Do you love your brothers and sisters in, in the body of Christ? Do you hate sin? In 1 John chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, it says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. I'm telling you, that doesn't mean we don't ever sin. If you said, now, if you've ever committed a sin, you're not a Christian. Well, that'd be silly. But what he's saying is, we don't make sin the practice of our life. We make righteousness the practice of our life. We may stumble and fall, but we don't stay down. We get up by the grace of God and move on. And then in 1 John 4, 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us his spirit. Again, the spirit of God in us makes intercession. Let me just close this message with a story. When I was about second grade, somehow or another, I got the idea that my parents weren't my parents. And I came home from school one day and I asked my mother, Mother, are you really my mother? She said, of course, I'm your mother. Well, that didn't satisfy me. I thought, well, I expected her to say that. So I came back to Miss later, and I said, Mother, are you really, really, really my mother? I mean, do... And she got a little exasperated with me and said, of course, I'm your mother. And then I said, well, is Daddy really my daddy? Well, she really didn't appreciate that question. <laughs> she said, yes. She said, you are the son of Raymond Harris and Mabel Harris. And I said, well, I just don't believe that. I knew my daddy was in the military when I was born. And he had shipped out to go overseas on the 10th of October. I was born on the 12th of October, so I thought maybe somehow or another within those two days she got pregnant and had me, you know, I guess. But uh, she kept saying, son, and, and I kept asking her. I, I never asked my daddy because I didn't know what he might do, but I... But I asked my mother several times, and I just could not, I just couldn't feel, I thought she was just telling me what I wanted to hear. So a couple of weeks later, I'd gone to visit my grandmother. My favorite place in the world to go was my grandmother's house, Mamma Young. And I thought, well, I'm going to settle this, so I'm going to ask her. And so when I was there with her, just me and, my, me and her, I said, uh, Mamma, <clears throat> Am I really the son of Raymond and Mabel Harris? Are they really my parents? Now, I wasn't just trying to be obstinate. or, or I was really struggling. I really wondered whether I was. And, you know, she didn't fuss at me. She didn't threaten me like my mother did. Uh, she, she just said, come here, Nikki. I want to show you something. And she took me back into her bedroom. She opened a big old chest, a big chest that I used to ride on, pretend it was a horse. And, uh, and she reached in there, she pulled out a little box. She said, let me show you something. And she pulled out a piece of paper called a birth certificate. I'd never seen or even heard of a birth certificate. And she showed it to me, and she said, look, let me show you. Let me read this to you. This is a certificate given to us by the state of Tennessee when you were born. And it says right here, Father Raymond Scott Harris. Mother, Mabel Lee Young Harris. 
And here's the date, October the 12th, 1943. See, this is a written document giving proof of your birth and who your parents were. I said, wow, that's, that helps. But how do I know that document wasn't just four? <laughs> she said, well, let me give you a little more evidence. She said, do you know that you were born right here in this house where we're standing right now? You were born right here. And she said, I was there when you were born. In fact, I helped the doctor deliver you. And I'm the one that named you. Your mother didn't name you. I gave you your name, Nikki Charles. She, she loved the thin man, Nikki Nora Charles, and she wanted me named after the thin man. <clears throat> I hadn't quite lived up to my name, but uh, they named, she said, I was there, I helped with the birth, and I gave you your name. So she said, I know that it was that Mabel's your mother. And then she said, let me show you one more thing. And she dug around in that box. <clears throat> she pulled out a picture of my daddy when he was about nine years old. And she said, look at this picture right here. Who does that look like? I said, that looks like me. She said, that's right. She said, because you look like your daddy. And said, as you get older, you'll look more and more like him. And I, by the way, I have, I do. And you know what? I never questioned it again. I said, it's good enough for me. If I have a written document saying I'm theirs, <clears throat> you were there when it happened, and I'm looking like my daddy, I have to be their child. Well, now, years later, God used those same three things to help me know that I'm truly a child of God. He says, you know what? I've given you a birth certificate. It's a written document with a promise from me that if you will put your trust in me, I'll save you. And I did. I put my trust in him when I was 17 years old. And I probably didn't pray the prayer the right way either. I, I didn't I didn't have uh, anybody witnessing to me. I didn't have anybody tell me. I just knew I was so full of anger and hate and, and misery and, and 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 I knew that that I deserved judgment. But I believed, I believed in my own heart and mind I could just see the cross of Jesus and I said, He died for me. And I just received him. I don't even know what I prayed. I just know that I received him. And I knew at that moment that I was clean, absolutely squeaky clean, that God had washed away all my sins. And that written document, the Word of God, <laughs> is my birth certificate. And then the Holy Spirit says, hey, I was there when you were born. As a matter of fact, I was the agent of deliverance. I'm the one who actually brought you forth from the word of God, with the word of God, which was the seed of the spirit. But I gave you birth, and I'm bearing witness with you now that you're mine. You're God's child. And then I look at my Savior, and I say, you know, 
I don't look just like him right now, but I'm looking more and more like him. And he has actually done such a work in my heart that I long to be like him. And he is shaping me into the very likeness of Jesus. And the Bible says that we behold in a glass the Lord Jesus and we are being changed into his likeness. Do you know that every day that we live as a Christian, God is working in our heart to make us look more and more like Jesus. So I would say to you today, if you're, if you're not a Christian, then the Spirit of God will convict you that you're not a Christian. If you are a Christian, then Satan will try to confuse you that you're not a Christian. But what I'm asking you to do is ask the Spirit of God to bear witness with your spirit that your faith in Him is faith in Him. Don't put your faith in yourself. Don't, don't try to trust in who you are, what you've done. You look unto Jesus and you say, Lord Jesus, I believe with all my heart that you died for me. And then you can have confidence. You have a written birth certificate, the Word of God, written birth certificate. And you have the, the one who actually is the agent of deliverance bringing you into life who bears witness with your spirit. And then you're seeing yourself becoming more and more like your Father as you grow in grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do pray today for every one of us here. Lord, I know that in a congregation even this size, there's certainly the possibility that there's someone who does not know you, but they want to know you. And I know the very fact that they want to know you is evidence that you want them to know you, and you're drawing them to yourself. And I pray that if there's even one person here today who does not have absolute confidence, assurance of their salvation, that you'll help them to receive you in this moment, this time of invitation. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, We would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.